0: And thank you for tuning into the Herbert Smith Freehills APAC Competition Law Podcast, Unbundling Competition. My name is Howard Chan and I'm a senior associate in Herbert Smith Freehills Competition Practice in Hong Kong. With me today is Francis Xu, a partner from our joint legal operation in China, Kowei Law Firm. Hello Francis.
1: Hi Howard and hello to our listeners.
0: This is the second installment of our new series on digital markets and the competition law issues that arise in this sector. Throughout this series, we will cover some of the hottest topics in this area, and we hope you'll find these podcasts interesting. If you have any feedback on their contents or if you have any questions arising from the discussions, please do not hesitate to contact us. In the first installment, we discussed competition law issues arising in digital platforms and we saw that a large proportion of today's Internet and digital services are now structured as a platform service. Today we wanted to look a little more closely at potentially anti-competitive pricing practices on digital platforms. Now, when I think of potentially anti-competitive pricing practices on digital platforms, the first thing that comes to mind are so-called most favored nation or MFN clauses. These are quite common in the world of platform economies. And the reason why they spring to mind is because a number of different competition regulators around the world have considered these clauses and in some cases have fined platforms for implementing MFN arrangements.
1: Yes. That is one of the more classic types of pricing restriction that existed in platforms.
0: Exactly. So for the benefit of our listeners, MFN clauses in the competition law context generally refers to contractual arrangements that limit the price or terms at which a supplier can offer a product through other sales channels. For example, if Hotel A wants to use an online travel agent, platform B to sell its hotel rooms under an MFN clause hotel A may have to agree with platform B to match the best price or to offer a better price on platform B than the price that it offers through any other channels such an MFN clause is also referred to as a wide MFN clause on the other hand under a narrow MFN clause hotel A might only agree to offer a price that is cheaper than on Hotel A's own website, as opposed to being cheaper than all other channels. On the one hand, MFN clauses can promote efficiencies by limiting free riding and reducing transaction costs. However, MFN clauses can also affect competition by facilitating collusion between platforms, foreclosing market entry and reducing seller incentive to offer discounts. Many regulators around the world have considered MFN clauses such as the European Commission, the Hong Kong Competition Commission and Korea's Fair Trade Commission. For most regulators, wide MFN clauses are more problematic than narrow MFN clauses. Take the relatively recent Hong Kong case concerning online travel agents as an example In that case, accommodation providers agreed with the likes of Booking.com, Expedia.com and Trip.com to always give the online travel agent the same or better terms than they offered through other sales channels with regard to room rates, conditions and availability. The Hong Kong Competition Commission pointed out that the MFN clauses agreed in these cases were wide MFNs and can have several anti-competitive effects. On the one hand, the MFN clauses facilitate collusion and potentially soften competition amongst the online travel agents because room rates offered will always be the same on competing platforms. Therefore, the online travel agents will not have the incentive, for example, to lower the commission rate in order to attract the accommodation providers to its platform. On the other hand, the MFN clauses prevent accommodation providers from rewarding these travel platforms or inducing competition by making more rooms available, or providing better conditions to platforms that offer a lower commission rate. Now, Francis, there's been a lot of enforcement in the digital space in China recently. Are there any particular pricing practices that are new or unusual?
1: Sure, Howard. So, in early 2021, China's antitrust regulator, the State Administration for Market Regulation, or SEMA, uh, finalized the antitrust guidelines on platform economies, which addresses a number of pricing practices arising from the development of platform economy, which may attract antitrust scrutiny. One of this practice is personalized pricing which concerns the use of pricing algorithms to set discriminatory pricing based on the data collected on existing or potential customers. By analyzing data that indicate income brackets, interests and preference of their consumers, companies can gauge people's willingness to pay and advertise different prices to different people. The practice has been quite controversial. On one hand, it can generate economic efficiency by pricing at, at most a suitable price for a particular customer. Price-based discrimination itself is not uncommon, and some forms of price discrimination are widely accepted, such as student discounts offered by movie centers by targeting specific consumers and offering a price affordable to the personalized pricing has the potential to improve allocative efficiency and benefit consumers who would otherwise be underserved however there are both uh, data protection and antitrust risks associated with this uh, personalized pricing. recently there was a private litigation case in Zhejiang uh, involve this type of conduct, but from a data privacy perspective, consumers often have little knowledge of the fact that the companies are collecting and analyzing their personal data for commercial purposes, and the companies using pricing algorithms need to make sure that they have complied with applicable privacy rules. From a computational p- perspective, the platform guidelines explicitly point out that the use of big data and algorithms to set discriminatory pricing. According to consumers' habits and ability to pay constitutes a form of discriminatory treatment, which can be regarded as abuse of dominance under the anti-monopoly law. The practice has also been addressed recently in proposed revision of the price law regulations.
0: Thanks, Francis. I think the overlapping regulations against personalized pricing highlight the degree of attention that's being paid towards this type of conduct in China. One thing to note, though, is that the range of regulatory tools and laws available to Chinese regulators can potentially be a source of uncertainty for Internet companies, because each of these regimes have different procedural and legal requirements, and the potential liability for a company breaching these different regimes can also differ. Are there any other interesting or unusual kinds of conduct that has attracted attention in China?
1: Another type of conduct which is quite unique to the Chinese market was flagged in the platform guidelines in imposing choosing one between two restrictions. The phrase choosing one between two includes exclusivity restrictions but also encompasses other indirect restrictions which can have a similar effect. For example prohibiting sellers from participating in promotional activities hosted by other platforms rather than imposing a Complete prohibition from selling on other platforms can be also viewed as a choosing one between two restrictions. Choosing one between two arrangements may also involve the use of financial and other incentives to indirectly induce loyalty, such as extra traffic being directed to sellers on a platform if they agree to choose one between two. The concept can therefore be viewed as a loose combination of exclusivity, obligation and other loyalty-inducing conduct. It has also become the focal point of the current push in enforcement. There have been a number of decisions and some active investigations into platform which have chosen one between two obligations. Some also imposed the fines on a number of other internet companies for this type of res- restriction in recent months. In response to the increasing scrutiny over the digital sector, 33 Chinese internet companies, including Alibaba, Tenshin, Downs, and Huawei, jointly signed the Internet Platform Operator's Anti-Monopoly Self-Discipline Convention earlier on 13 July 2021. The Convention states that the signatories should strive to protect consumer interests and to ensure a fair and healthy market environment for the sector. In particular, the Convention covered pricing practices which have become increasingly prevalent in recent years, such as choosing one between two restrictions.
0: Thanks, Francis. Could you talk us through one of the cases regarding choosing one between two to help us understand how Chinese regulators are assessing this kind of practice?
1: Sure, Howard. Maybe we can talk about the latest Meituan case. Meituan was found to have abused its dominant position in the Chinese market for online food delivery platform service since 2018. Some are determining that Meituan has a dominant position in the relevant market via considering its market share Market control powers, strong financial resources, and advanced uh, technical conditions, as well as market structure, entry barriers, other undertakings' dependence, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Some have found that, for the purpose of hindering the development of other rival platforms and further consolidate its market position, Baidu has systematically and fully implement. Choose one between two restrictions. A variety of measures were adopted to ensure the implementation is comprehensive. The measures include, urged in platform form operators to sign exclusive cooperation agreement, following which Metro would delay their product listing on its platforms. Collected a deposit from exclusive operators. Also, develop a big data system to automatically monitor and punish in platform form operators for listing on remote platforms. Also, Comprehensively adopted various punitive measures to force implant form operators to stop cooperating with its remote plant forms, and also factor indicators like the signing of food operators and the performance of exclusive cooperation agreement into the assessment of staff members' performance, etc. etc. Summa decided to impose a fine of RMB 3 billion and order made one to stop the violations including preventing in-platform operators from cooperating with its remote platforms. Also, refunding all the exclusive corporation deposits, totaling over RMB 1,200 million. Also, submitting a report to SEMA on the correction of a legal act within 15 days from the date of receiving its administrative penalty decision. And also following the administrative guidance letter prepared by SEMA to make comprehensive certifications and ensure Spanish operations fully comply with antitrust laws and the regulations. So that's it.
0: Thanks, Francis. That's really interesting. And I think it really shows that the Chinese regulator is maturing and open to dealing with issues that are specific to the Chinese market, even if it means taking a step away from international precedents. And I think that's all we have time for today. Thank you everyone again for tuning in. And thank you, Francis, for joining me. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do check out other installments of Unbundling Competition. If you have any thoughts, comments or queries, please do not hesitate to contact us.